Okay, welcome back to the Diabeto Show. Finally getting to episode four, week, a little bit of a week and a half hiatus. I had to move again. But today on the podcast, I have my friend Josh Zaber. Josh and I went to PSU together. Uh, I train with him usually once or twice a week uh, as of recently. And dude's one smart motherfucker when it comes to kinesiology and just the way the body functions. Uh, I'll let Josh tell his background in in the world of fitness. So I'll let you get into that. Yeah. Hey, Riley. Thanks for having me on, man. Uh, yeah. It's been great training with you. And uh, yeah, I have the same degree that you do from PSU. And I've competed in strongman powerlifting, uh, mostly in weightlifting. And uh, I'm just kind of uh, obsessed with all things strength sports, buddy. Yeah. That's my, it's, that's my lane. It's a, uh, Anyone that's into going to the gym, especially when you get into the side of people that compete, it is a, it's a weirder group of people. Like we are not the most normal group of individuals, a little bit of like, as I like to call it fucked upness in the head. Like we're all really fucked up. There's a reason why we're all in here. And yeah. And a lot of it is like, a lot of us are just like, fuck, I got competitive juices or I just want to look like a big nasty motherfucker, or I just want to be strong as shit. It's like yeah. one of those three reasons. There are uh, there are leagues of differences between training for sport and training for longevity. Those are two mm -hmm. vast different worlds. Um, so you're having me on today because I'm trying to get a little more education on diabetes. And I know that you were trying to do an episode of this show on diabetes generally. Um, so can you start with just a super quick rundown of type one versus type two for the people that are listening? Yes, I'm actually getting, I'm getting interviewed on my own podcast, but uh, the for main sure. difference is type one diabetes is juvenile diabetes versus type two diabetes is adult onset diabetes. Now type one diabetes, for those of you who don't know, you will rarely find someone over the age of, I would say, I'm not a doctor, but I would say 18 is about the oldest you'll usually see people get it. You'll see people get it in their 20s or 30s. Very, very rare though. Um, type 1 diabetes, they believe is just like, it's an autoimmune disease that both, they both are, but type 1 is just like, they don't know what the onset of it is or how it comes on, which is like, that's the, that's been their like biggest point of research for as long as type 1's been around is like, why does this happen? To the pancreas to where the pancreas gets to the point to where it's producing no insulin versus type 2 diabetes usually that's either it's a genetic thing so it either runs in your family um old age or obesity and that's like like if you look at type 2 diabetes rates in america over the past 30 40 years they're through the fucking roof because of obesity rates going through the fucking roof and so basically when someone's type 2 diabetic you can actually reverse the causes of the disease um, because usually it's because your pancreas is still actually producing insulin. But at this point, you are usually, in the case of old age, it's a little bit harder to correct or like genetics. It's can't really correct it. You can try with medication. But with obesity, the way you can actually correct it is diet, training, those type of things because you're reducing your insulin resistance to bring it back down to normal. So then your pancreas starts to function properly. Mm. So those are the main differences. Yeah, I've got two total sidebars. Um, one on the side of medication. I don't know if you've seen all the hype around semaglutide, but uh, I mean, I, I like it for 
for helping obesity at, mm-hmm. you know at the rate that it is in this country but i don't i don't like that we're it seems like we're about to pretend as a society that it does more than just absolutely nuke your appetite um and then my my second uh my second tangent is or question is do you know when it comes to people getting type 1 diabetes before the age of 18 is it because the pancreas shuts down before the age of 18 or typically the pancreas was already shut down and they discover it that young they just say usually just they yeah no i get what you mean usually it's discovered younger and that's why they call it juvenile diabetes but you will find those those um you know the rare cases of like a 24 year old or a 27 year old or a 32 year old who will get type one. I actually, I, so I do work with the JDRF for the people that don't know out there. And one of the people on the committee there, he got diagnosed in his thirties. And I'm just like, what the heck? Like super, super weird. And like, I was like, that's easily the oldest. And I think the guy was like 32 when he said he got diagnosed. So a lot older, like I was what 14 when I got diagnosed. And like a lot of people tell me like, that's on the older side of getting diagnosed. Like I was still very much a kid, but like, older side like a lot of people you'll find when they're like two three four five six seven like very very young and like it's just like a complete shift of lifestyle for all those like younger kids who get diagnosed but to your first to your first point i love the point that you brought that up because of course it's just like oh it's another one of those things of just like oh magic pill magic pill magic pill like this will this and it's just like all these pills just like you said nuke your appetite and honestly, it's not going to fucking work. Like at the end of the day, it's not going to work. Like the bioavailability of fast food and shitty food in America is a big reason why. It's the fact that people don't want to go work out. People don't want to do X. They don't want to do Y. They don't want to do Z. And then they're just like, oh, why can't I lose weight? And it's like, well, you eat too much and you don't move enough. So flip those things where you move more, you eat less. Like I don't like sure. being that black and white with it. But like at the end of the day, like, you know this, like, because there was nutrition talked about in, in our course. And just like in all of our classes, the topic of weight loss came into, came into play at some point. Um, You know, it's a very black and white thing because it is a eat less, move more law of thermodynamics. Like you really can't get away from a law of physics to say like, Oh, calorie deficits don't work. It's just like, Nope. Yes, they do. We just live in a society now where we like to make excuses of why a calorie deficit's not working. That's because most people, they don't want to actually, you know, take the time to find a diet that works for them. And that's the biggest thing is finding a diet that works for them. Yeah. Not taking a I pill. mean, we won't, we won't go any further down this rabbit hole, but no, it's, I, I could talk for two hours about this. I think at the point of, you know, 400 pounds and above, if semaglutide is going to help somebody abide by the laws of thermodynamics, then hey, please, please. Yeah. Um, so, in a in a quick summary, what is what is Riley's relationship with sugar, and what are you gonna have to do to maintain that relationship with sugar for the rest of your life? So I struggle uh, as a kid. I struggled a lot more with my relationship with sugar because I love sugar and still to this day have a sweet tooth. Um, my relationship with sugar now is pretty good. Um, straight sugary food, so like. Honestly, I haven't had like a soda 
more than a handful of times since I got diagnosed, and that's over 10 years now. Um, straight candy, like Sour Patch Kids and shit like that, um, I do okay with. A lot of the times, though, it doesn't really matter because, like, that's straight just, like, glucose carbs usually. So, like, if you look on the back of a nutrition label, it'll say 34 grams of carbohydrates. And then you look down, it's, like, grams of sugar, and it's, like, 34. So all of those carbohydrates are from sugar. They're all just glucose. And dude, those tend dude. to really not sit very well most of the time with my blood sugar. I could take the amount of insulin I should, and most of the time I'm still going to come out with high blood sugar afterwards. Now, For if sure. we were talking like a baked good or something else that usually has like other um, macronutrients in it, like like it has like fats or like the little bits of protein, my body seems to do a lot better with those like cookies and shit like I can do a lot better with than actual candy just because there's other macronutrients that kind of saturate down the yeah. sugar content. That's at least diet. for me though. Do you do diet Coke? Yes, I have a diet. I used to, have, I had a bad diet Coke addiction. Jesus, it was so bad. Like now artificial, I do not drink. Artificial any. sweeteners can fly. Yeah, like they, they fly. Yep, thank God. Uh, I love diet Coke, but oh my God, I was drinking so many, like a few months ago, I was drinking so many damn diet Cokes. And like yeah. since then, and like I'm also someone that takes pre-workout, drinks coffee, and it's like the caffeine. Like, dude, you're gonna give yourself a heart attack. Not really, but knock on wood. So, uh, in another quick summary, what what does the fact that your pancreas does not produce any insulin um, have to do with your approach to PEDs, bodybuilding, preps for shows, training? life in general yeah obviously so, you, have to take, you have to take insulin yes so for those yeah. of you who don't know insulin in the world of bodybuilding is used it is a performance enhancing drug it is a form of growth hormone you will get big as fuck if you take insulin and you do it right um i'm not saying go dm someone you know with diabetes and try to snag an insulin pen off them like jesus christ no um that's not but, that's not what I'm that's doing. no 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 um but so in terms of like, uh, we'll start with the first one in terms of training and just like my diabetes, like usually I don't have a problem. Like I just get like, it's just a normal part of my day. Like I adjust usually the amount of insulin. I take my pre-workout meal. Um, just because I know many, when I train, when I train, many, I'm due to drop low, a bit low. How many, just because how many, how many injections of insulin are you taking a day? And what units is it measured in? Uh, dude, honestly, I cannot tell. I'd have to go read the pen to tell you the exact units, but I take seven shots a day. I do all my shots in my hip. Um, oh. so for those of you who don't know, um, a lot of diabetics now, I'm very old fashioned. Like I'm almost as old fashioned as it gets when it comes to um, the way I handle my diabetes. A lot of people, they use a Dexcom, an insulin pump and all these sensors and, and stuff and like a lot of machines. And it's usually a lot of people who struggle to manage their diabetes. Like usually those are people that they fluctuate a lot with their blood sugars. And usually those people, they don't usually eat enough through the day or, or there's other factors, which is why they need like the extra monitoring via the Dexcom and an insulin pump just to make managing their diabetes easier. 
I am a strict test kit and I take my two types of insulin, my short acting, which I take with meals. So six times a day. And then my long lasting, I take one time right before I go to bed. And like, because I eat so frequently, my A1C, my blood sugar, it fluctuates, but not, not bad. Not very bad at all. Usually like it's, it's, I'm pretty consistent throughout the day. And, um, like it's because of the lifestyle I chose with the bodybuilding of why my blood sugar stays so consistent versus a lot of other people they eat once or twice a day and they wonder why they're at, you know, they're at 110 throughout the day. And then all of a sudden they spike and they go up to like 350. And it's like, well, you haven't eaten or you ate something and you didn't account properly for the amount of insulin you should take. And yeah. So then in terms of bodybuilding and PEDs, because this is an all in one question. Um, depending on the compound I am taking, some of them fuck with my blood sugar way worse than others. So, and I'll, I'll get into specifics, at least in my case for the first time around. Um, first time I did test, um, saw no difference. Blood sugars, you know, relatively the same throughout the day. First, yeah. First time I did MPP, um, was the first compound that messed with it a little bit. Um, took a week or two to adjust my, my units to get it on point. And, mess, and then, mess uh, with it uh, I would get a lot of just like random spikes throughout the day. And I had to time what time I would usually, because my days, the last time I did prep, the last time I prepped and did like a prep cycle, um, my days were pretty similar almost every day looked the exact same. Cause that's what bodybuilding is. You're doing the same shit day in and day out. Um, so yeah, I knew what and- time I would I would train almost at the same time every day, and I would know what time my blood sugar was gonna spike. So then I would adjust the units I was taking to make sure my blood sugar wouldn't spike. And then a few weeks after, or no, then when I dropped MPP and went to everyone's favorite that the internet just loves, trend, my God, did that's like. I was very lucky. So if we're talking PEDs, I did not get really bad symptoms from trend while I was in prep, minus the fact that my blood sugar was so out of whack. And like, it was so hard to pin it down until like my food was at a minute. And this is where the food aspect comes into it. Until my food was at like a minimum. And like, I was eating like a bikini competitor for those last few weeks of prep. My blood sugar was just, and it was terrible. And it was terrible. Well, and like that was, that was my least, like, I hated it. Then when I got off, well, it was funny though, because then like I cruised with it afterwards or I, I blasted with it. Um, after my prep, I stayed on it. Um, my blood sugar was really good. And that's, it was just super weird. Like how it just like, while I was in prep, it was just like destroying my blood sugar. Then out of prep, it was, it was better. So really weird. Yeah. Well, I mean, Hey, you, you do compete in men's bikini, you know? Um, I am a men's bikini competitor. Yeah. That's a fair statement. Um, so you say that just just as a out of curiosity, you say that like, you know, these compounds like trend and NPP, your your blood sugar would spike at random times during the day. How does that present itself for you? You start feeling sick. I get really bad headaches and I get really, yeah. really irritable. I get irritable whether I'm high or low blood sugar. Um Oh, and with these I- compounds, so yeah, it it'd be you'd be getting blood sugar spikes. So high, high blood sugar. Yep. High blood, high blood sugar. I get a nasty headache, nasty headache. Yeah. I become super irritable. 
Like, if you try to talk to me, I'm just like, no, please don't. Just like, mm -mm, I'm not in, a good, not in a good mood right now. Just like, please don't. And that's a big thing. Just like, even in life in general, the, like, if we're talking the point of diabetes, like, without me being on the compounds, when I have high blood sugar, like, same symptoms, whether I'm in prep or not in prep, very irritable, very, like, I get really bad headaches. Um, when I go low, I get the classic low blood sugar symptoms, um, shaky hands, low energy, slurred speech, things like that. And it's terrible sucks yeah. so bad like i feel like i'm gonna pass out um god i can tell some the worst drop was actually in the last time i did prep i had to do 30 minutes of cardio after a workout and literally like two minutes in drop 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 and like i think uh i, 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 I think finished. a lot of people i think a lot of people who have experimented with their dieting and or who really like to train have experienced uh going hypo before, yeah going hypo before yeah. yeah and and uh when you're in my case dude i was dude i was dripping sweat like i almost i thought i was going to die in my car i thought i was going to pass out and die in my car i went and shoveled thank god i was a i remember this so clearly um thank god i was getting a a refeed and so like I had 300 grams of cold rice that I just shoveled down my throat and hit my system. I was like, Oh yeah. my God. I was like, Oh, I feel this like fucking ever. feel like Paul Blart. Yes. Yeah. When he gets low blood sugar, when he gets low blood yeah, sugar dude. in the movie. Yep. Exactly. Um, That's exactly so that feeling. What do you think about this overarching statement that uh, competitive bodybuilding can and will lead to diabetes. I believe it leads to a lot of issues down the road, especially I'm not an open bodybuilder, so I can't speak on it, but I feel like the negative health connotations come a lot more with open bodybuilders just because they're so big and the amount of gear, food, all these things that they have to put in their body. Yes, I could see why it could lead to type two diabetes. I feel like that's just one of the many negative health connotations that comes with bodybuilding going down the road is that mm -hmm. like you're, you're putting yourself at such risk for a sport where you are so misunderstood. And a lot of people are just okay within their fifties, sixties, or whenever they're done competing that like they know they're going to have health issues. So yes, so I, I, I don't agree with the statement necessarily, but like I get where the statement is coming from. Yeah. So two questions from that. Um, I guess this is in respects to open bodybuilders, the, the freaks. Um, we love them. Yes. But, um, do these compounds, do they permanently affect the way that their pancreas functions? Are a lot of them taking insulin? So that's, that's, that's the first thing. A lot of open guys are taking insulin. Even classic guys are taking insulin. There's probably men's physique that, guys taking insulin. A lot of guys just take insulin because it blows you the fuck out. So, so will that be a lifetime thing then? Oh yeah, absolutely. You're, you're putting damage on your pancreas. Your pancreas is already producing enough insulin. Then you're overloading it with more insulin to try to get bigger. And it's just like, yeah. you're using it not for the point of why I need to use it. I need to use it to maintain my blood sugar levels. You everyone out there that is doing it is using it for the anabolic properties to where they're trying to take the growth hormone properties. They're getting the IGF or I, I, yeah, IGF, uh, the growth hormone effect from it. I, I could not remember what it was called, but like they're using it in the way that you should not be using it. 
And that's why, like, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna have a bunch of issues with that organ that produces that drug that you are taking because you are overloading it with that drug. That's just like my two cents on it. I'm not a doctor though, but I think a lot of doctors and a lot of people in the in the who are health professionals would probably say the same thing. So you're overloading it with a drug that you already have. And that's why, like, you see a lot of guys like and think about it from the the standpoint of like taking tests. Your body naturally produces testosterone. Then you're adding in artificial testosterone. And then you wonder why you got low T afterwards. Huh? Yeah. Like now, now, now think about it from the point of insulin. Your body naturally produces insulin. You're adding in insulin. Bam. Pancreatic, like issues. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, you read my mind. I, I, my, my reference to that was going to be the testes when it comes to sperm, like when you get off testosterone, your testo- your your testicles are pretty much asleep. So my guess, my question is, is the pancreas the same way? Because that would, uh, that's, that's terrible, man. Dude, I want to ask a doctor about this now. Like I, because yeah. I genuinely don't know. It could be, I feel like, but I just yeah. like genuinely don't know, but that's a really good point. Well, thank you, my friend, that, that was a fantastic little conversation on diabetes there. Yeah. Um, I, I have, I have a couple more questions for you. Yeah. Um, who are your favorite athletes outside of the bodybuilding world? So these can still be uh fitness industry athletes, but not, not necessarily bodybuilders. I'm, uh, uh, I'm looking for, I'm looking for weightlifters, powerlifters, strong men, you know, so strong men, dude. I don't know any of the strong men, like like minus like the people who like Eddie Hall and like all them. Like that's all I know, or like the basic like like what who, who has the highest following. Like it's never been something that like I've like truly paid attention. Even though like I did, like that was my start. Like I was like technically like more into the powerlifting side before I got into bodybuilding. Like my goal was to be like, dude, I want to deadlift like a gajillion pounds before I started competing. Like when I stopped taking deadlift serious, when I was 20, like I, I was pulling out like 190 pounds was pulling like five thirty, And I was fully prepared to be like around the 175 to like 185 mark and compete in what, like that closest weight class and try to pull like 700 pounds. Like that was my original goal. Like I want to be a 700 pound deadlifter now right as a bodybuilder. I just want to pull 500 pounds as many times as I can. Like that's my so next. Who are, your, who are your favorite powerlifters? Uh, uh, who's I can't even think of him. I can't even think of the the person that like I really like to, dude. I, yeah, I'm we gotta get on this question. The strength world, brother. Dude, I and like I love and like it is a very fascinating world to me. But like when after I pulled that five thirty five, like my body was just so beat up, and I was like very much at that point leaning into the bodybuilding side and then just like fell in love. I'm like, I've talked about this two times now on podcasts. Like when I switched my mode into like full bodybuilding, men's mm-hmm. physique guys were a lot smaller than they are now mm-hmm. to an For extent, sure. to an extent, the elite of the elite were about as big as they are now or close ish, but like guys that were just getting their pro cards. Then I was like, yeah, I'll be here in a couple of years. And like, we're four years down the road now. And I'm just like, damn, I don't know if I'm even like, hopefully this summer when I step on stage, like I'll be able to, you know, at least hold my own against these guys. But like I switched into bodybuilding and now have been like on that, like bodybuilding mode for 
give or take three and a half years. I've taken some breaks here and there just because of COVID and just like life, but like have been so tunnel visioned on competing that I'm just like, that's the only, it's, it became like an obsession. All right. So just give me just a few who are, who are your favorite bodybuilders? I am an OG and I have said this on my last podcast, dude, I rocked a Chris Bumstead when he had 150,000 followers. It's like OG fan. But my fate, honestly, I'm a big fan. Like when Raymond Edmonds uh, won the Olympia, I was a huge, like I'm a big fan of his because like he's a taller men's physique guy that I really, really like. Uh, let's see, other men's physique guys. I like Jeremy Buendia when he can, as a competitor, not of who he is off the stage, just has has his has his issues. Uh, open body. If we're talking open bodybuilders, my favorite open bodybuilder is Samson. Um, I I love Derek Lunsford's look. Sean Clarita, another guy. Uh, more classic guys. I like Wesley Vissers. I love Terrence Ruffin. Um, I love Urs. Like Urs is probably Urs and I are like the same age. Like he's the same age as us. I'm just like, dude. We're getting like past a few now, man. Yeah, like that's. I'll stop the list right there. Uh, right. A lot of, a lot of guys who like, I really admire like their physiques. Honestly, not a lot of them are men's physique guys. If I think about it, I'm just like more drawn to like the classic guys or like the two twelve guys, just because like I admire their freakiness. I'm just like, Same. I couldn't get that. I'm just like, I can't get that big. Interesting. All right, man. All right. Well, I think, I think that's it. This is going to be the second shortest episode I've ever recorded um yeah. dude thank you thank you for coming on it was really interesting being interviewed on my own podcast uh you Absolutely. asked you asked some amazing questions we'll definitely yeah. be we'll definitely have to do this again and mix up the questions so i will come more prepared in the element of powerlifting strongman and yeah, can olympic I, can, weightlifting. I end up, can i end it with some hot takes yes yes you can right, yes. Two things. i went to the mr olympia this year and uh First off, I want to mention when it comes to strongman, uh, just like, you know, just like you just mentioned, um, I I got to witness America's strongest man, strongman court puts it on. And I feel like nobody knows that we have some of the freakiest strong people in the United States, like, or in the world right here, you know? Yeah. Um, It was awesome to see that when it comes to the bodybuilding show. My man, I think that men's physique, when it comes to that top level, when it comes to like the last five guys that are standing on that stage, it's just such a, it's such a specific look. It, and it's, I I don't think it's for everybody, buddy. And I, I, and I also like, I don't think that that class is going to last a long time in bodybuilding the the backs on those guys man the the their shoulders they just don't they're not they don't so it's it so like for me and we'll because uh we'll i'll make this quick for me why i do it is because like if you look at the guys that are doing very well in the men's physique division Mm-hmm. they like there there's been a couple guys that have had to move up just because they've now outgrown the division and they don't have what the division is looking for the division is now leaning more towards a taller look of just like where like 
they like like Brandon Henderson has won it, I think, three times. And they are now moving away from his look to where Aaron Banks won it this year. And uh and dude, like very similar, like Raymond structure too, like very similar structure, taller guy, huge back, big shoulder. Like that's what they like. They like like the taller, taller guys. And they they the legs just aren't quite. I mean, it's men's physique. They don't judge. They don't judge your legs in quotes. Um, it is nice when it flows a little bit better in those trunks to where it's not no legs. But yeah. they love they love big big wide lats with really nice thickness in the back. Well, super super big 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 shoulders like like some massive fucking delts. And to where like the arms big. they they fit in, but they don't. They're not like overly blown out of proportion same thing with the chest like they when love the comes, big shoulder big back look and it's just like that's why i'm gonna keep doing men's physique because it's like if i if i another couple of years of this and they if they keep that look like yeah i could do some some damage now i've also talked comes, to people and like everyone's told me there's like dude just move to classic after you get your pro card so I th- that's my hope right now is to get my pro card as a men's physique competitor if they move away from the look that i have i'll just do classic one day yeah my opinion on the open bodybuilders is it's an unfortunate take. Um, I just, at this point, I think that they're, they're all completely blown. And also the, the room is just not, it wasn't loud. It wasn't, it wasn't what everybody was there for, which leads me to my last take, which is, on classic bodybuilding and that is carrying bodybuilding on its back right now yes um i unfortunately i don't think anybody cares about anything besides classic bodybuilding and i didn't even think about it but the culture has really changed from like the people that we watched when we were growing up um if you're a if you're a men's open bodybuilder right now, you're pretty you're 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 funding a lot of your you know your sport. Whereas like the the classic guys are starting to get some real hype, and that's where that's where the money is now. It seems. Yes, and that's i.e. You, you can thank Chris Bumstead for that. Everyone, thank you so much uh, for listening. Uh, see y'all next week.